Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Empty Tomb Radio. My name is Justin. Today, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9. We have a lot of good stuff in store for us today. So before we get started, let's just say a quick prayer and we'll jump right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all the ears and all the hearts that are listening to this. Please enlighten us with your word. Please help us better understand you and draw closer to you, Father. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Matthew 9 is a chapter that has been portrayed in a lot of, well, I mean, a lot of these have, a lot of uh, visual depictions of Jesus. There was some, uh, there was a movie that came out back in the 70s, Jesus of Nazareth. There was the Bible TV show. It kind of goes through a lot of these. If you've seen any of those, some of these stories might ring a bell. Uh, So, We have a, eh, I guess it's kind of a shorter chapter, so I'll try to elaborate where I can and uh, provide some insight and context where I can and let the words speak for themselves, basically. So uh, there is some King Jamesy stuff in here, so I'll do my best to translate that into our modern verbiage. Um, there is some stuff that even, I don't even uh <laughs> I don't even know sometimes or some words, but uh the King James just has such a, a grandiose way of of speaking and it's very poetic and it's just really makes you think. So I think this is it's the best translation uh for me and for my understanding and it you know just proclaiming the truth about Jesus. Uh but Enough about that. Let's get right into Matthew 9. Matthew 9, verse 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be good, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing that, their hearts said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. This story is about a man who was paralyzed. Uh, he was unable to walk, he was unable to move. And uh, we we see in, in Luke that these, these friends of this guy carry him up on a stretcher onto the top of this house that they're staying at and they lower him through the roof (laughs) like a mission impossible style uh they drop him down to the roof right next to jesus and those are some good friends right there Uh, and jesus saw the faith of the friends and to the man sick of the of the 
it says palsy in uh, the King James. The man was paralyzed. So what does Jesus do? Jesus says, be of good cheer. Your sins are, have been forgiven. That's the first thing he says of this guy. So he doesn't address the physical ailment, which I think oftentimes we most mostly pray for people, um, especially when you know we have bad news, bad health, uh, news coming along. You know, so and so has cancer, and or you know whatever the ailment is, and it's perfectly okay to to pray for the physical. But Jesus addresses the spiritual first. He says, "Your sins are forgiven." Jesus could have just healed the guy. You know, he could have put a, a piece of duct tape over the guy's front bumper and the he could have just, you know, driven <laughs> driven that car to the, straight to the junkyard to be eternally taken apart forever. But he addresses the most important first. It says, your sins are forgiven. And then everyone starts saying, or not everyone, I guess the scribes or the Pharisees would say that, you know, they're saying that's blasphemy. And blasphemy just basically means that's, uh, it goes against God. It's, uh, I guess, um, if you're blaspheming, it's, it's offensive to God. Why? Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus says, you know, why do you entertain these evil thoughts in your heart? What is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And the man stands up and he walks. Anyone can say that your sins are forgiven. Any crazy guy can say that. But not everyone can heal someone who's paralyzed. And the guy immediately gets up and walks. He, picks, he says, pick up your mat and walk. And the guy stands up and he walks. And it says, when the crowd saw it, they marveled and glorified to God, which had given such power unto men. So here we go, God getting the glory. That's the you know at the end of the the Lord's prayer. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So the glory always goes to God. Pretty crazy story. Uh, paralyzed guy, friends take him to the house, drop him through the roof. Ask Jesus. Jesus controversially says, "Your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk." Everyone freaks out. The man stands up and and walks out. That's incredible. This <laughs> is absolutely incredible. I mean, if, if we take these teachings and these parables and this text as a historical book, right? These are historical counts. And it's not just some story. Like, put yourself in the crowd. Imagine you're a guy in the crowd and you see that. That is a miracle. And I bet that would get you to <laughs> never doubt Jesus. I mean, that's why these disciples, they didn't doubt Jesus. They all were crucified and had, you know, they were persecuted for following Jesus. And, uh, they took it to their grave. They never once renounced their faith in him because they saw these things firsthand. 
and they know that the reward in heaven is much greater than whatever they could have on earth. Um, so I'm going to read verses 9, 9 through 13. And this is the story about Matthew. So this is when Jesus calls out Matthew. Um, so verse 9, And Jesus passed forth from thence, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of a custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus had heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus comes across a tax collector named Matthew. So publicans in the King James, that those are tax collectors. Do we know any other tax collectors named Matthew? That's right. The guy that wrote this book that we've been studying, <laughs> that, this is him. He is, this is his own account of Jesus calling him. So the tax collectors of the day, they were obviously hated. But these weren't just the representatives of, say, the IRS back then. It was much more than that. So these tax collectors would be the equivalent of, say, we get, say, the United States or whatever country you live in gets invaded, you know, by China, North Korea, Russia. There's military soldiers everywhere. We are under their rule. Now, the own citizens of your country, your own fellow Americans or your own fellow wherever you're from, take up the job. They join their side and start collecting money from the people to pay to this invading force. Now, on top of paying the money to whatever country has invaded you, they also have a percentage that they'll take from you and keep for themselves. So if the tax rate is 7% and they're charging you 8%, they are keeping the extra 1% of everything. It was a very lucrative job. Uh, it was, you know, a good way to make money. You're taking money from all all the people around you. They were hated. Imagine that. Now, in this case, the invading country was Rome. So Matthew was collecting taxes for Rome. He wasn't collecting taxes for, for Israel or, you know, Capernaum or, you know, the... Or Jerusalem or anything like that. He was collecting taxes for the enemy. That's why tax collectors are hated so much in these in 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 the Bible. It's you know we hate the IRS, but you know, so I mean I wouldn't say the IRS is on our side. <laughs> you know they have their own agenda, but I mean we don't even like it, and they're you know quote unquote American. So this is 
it's so much easier to understand why everyone is starting to freak out when this happens. So, um, so Jesus sat at the at a house with many tax collectors, and he was sharing a meal with them. So, meals back then they're a big deal. It's not like now; it's like you grab a burger. It was a big deal. You're breaking bread with somebody. Uh, it was meals are intimate, right? And the Pharisees saw it. And they're asking, why is your master eating with these tax collectors and these sinners? And the response that Jesus gives is fantastic. He says, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So it's saying that these people, the people that are are healthy don't need a doctor. The... Uh, and then he says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice for, I'm, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So in the new King James says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he, the doctor, he's saying the doctors come for the sick people, not for the healthy people, you know, which makes so much sense. It's, it's such a simple teaching, but it's so profound at the same time. That's just what's so fantastic about Jesus. And then he quotes uh, a verse from Hosea here that says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. <clears throat> so what... Hosea was talking about in his book was that these the Jews of the day were living their lives right they had one foot in one foot out they would do whatever they wanted but they would sacrifice their their goats or their lamb on Passover you know and they think everything was good you know like we're, God told us sacrifice so we're we're doing our sacrifice but we're required so much more of that. So Jesus is doing a callback to the Old Testament when these people would use the sacrifice as an excuse to however they live their life. And it says, Jesus didn't come for the righteous, but he came for the sinners to lead them to repentance. Now remember, repenting is not only asking for forgiveness, to the Lord, but a complete 180 and turning your life all the way around. Uh, so 14, verse 14 through 17, questions about fasting. Then came to him the disciples of John saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus came unto them. Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth onto an old garment, for that which is put into, fill it up, taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved." So interesting, uh, one thing I forgot about the before I get into that, 
So I guess what we can consider Matthew, we now know Matthew's following Jesus. So I guess chapters one through eight are all Matthew kind of recounting uh, the the story of Jesus, of how it was taught to him. So Matthew is a disciple of Jesus. Everything else we read from here on out from Matthew is a first-hand account, eyewitness account to Jesus Christ. This isn't a story that he heard from somebody else. This is him through his own eyes, what he had witnessed. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, he had, you know, was able to document these words flawlessly into the Bible. So I just want to say that before I forgot about it. So Pharisees come up uh, and uh, they came to him, the disciples of John, saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast? So not the Pharisees didn't come up. So the, the disciples of John the Baptist. I mean, it's a, it's a valid question. They're saying, why are the people following you? Why aren't they fasting? We fast. The Pharisees fast. Everyone's fasting. And Jesus basically says, why are you going to fast to get closer to God when God is with you right now? Saying, but there will be a day when I am not with them any longer and they will fast. And then he goes into uh, men putting new wine into old bottles or old wineskins. King James says bottles here. Bottles are basically, by definition, anything that would hold some type of liquid. So it's not glass bottles. uh, You know, it's not plastic bottles. They could have been... Uh, you know, made out of clay or, or anything, but uh, other translations, he would say wineskins. Uh, wineskins, uh, what, what it's basically saying here is when wine ferments, it expands and it stretches whatever container that it's in. Now, if you use an old container that's already been stretched and the wine is stretching more, that container will break. And it'll shatter open. But if you put it in a new container or like a new wine skin, goat skin or whatever, it has the it hasn't been stretched yet to its max capacity. It'll it can fill up without breaking. And uh, both are are preserved. So uh, So yeah, we've talked about fasting on here before, emptying yourself out completely, putting yourself in a state of humility to get closer to God, hear God's voice, um, fill yourself up with with the spiritual and not of the things with this world to get closer to God. So Jesus is saying, why are they going to fast? I'm right here, dude. Like, I'm... They're going to get closer to me, but I'm walking with them. <laughs> but there will be a day, so Jesus knows. He's saying there will be a day when I'm gone and they're here and they will have to fast to, uh, you know, just like everybody else. So um, Jesus already kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen to him. So uh, verse 18 while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood of twelve years, and came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, 
If I may but touch the garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be good, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the menstruals and the people making the noise. And he said to them, Give place, for thy maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in, took her by the hand, and he and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. Jesus raises his girl from the dead. This ruler comes to, to Jesus saying, Hey, my daughter, she's dying. It says here she had a an, an issue of blood or she bled for 12 years. That sounds pretty crazy. I don't know what kind of womanly issues she has, but that is not normal. And uh, bless her heart that she had to live through that. And Jesus <clears throat> comes up and uh, says, He daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee whole. So... Jesus came to the ruler's house, saw the minstrels and the people making the noise. So they were basically mourning her already. People making the noise. Um, noisy crowd, playing pipes, I think what it says in NIV. These were the people hired to play at funerals basically back then. Um, so Jesus touches her. The woman, the woman is, is brought back from the dead. And... He goes out and he says, don't worry, she's not dead. She's just sleeping now. And then everybody starts laughing at him and they start making fun of him. Then he goes back in, grabs her by the hand and she stands up. And it says the fame of Jesus went abroad into all the land. So another thing here, just like we talked about last time when you're touching a leper that would make you ceremonially unclean. Well, so would touching dead bodies. That would definitely make you ceremonially unclean as well. So you, we can just see here that the defilement of touching the sick and the dead did not come upon Jesus, but instead he brought life. And the life that he brought was miraculous and incredible. So this is a huge feat right here. I mean... It's not for all those that say that, you know, Jesus was, he was a fake. Like, how do you fake bringing somebody up from the dead? You know, and these are historical accounts. There, it was witnessed by many, many people. And of course he became famous after that. I mean, word travels fast. So, uh, getting into, let's get into the next verse. Uh, kind of I'm running out of time here uh, sight and speech restored and when Jesus departed thence two blind men followed him crying and saying thou son of David have mercy on us verse 28 and when he came into the house the blind men came to him and Jesus saith unto them believe ye that I am able to do this and they said unto him yeah Lord verse 29 then touched he the eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Verse 
verse 31. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. And they went out. Behold, they brought to him a dumb, dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of devils. So right here, Jesus heals uh, he heals a blind man. And it says dumb in the King James, like D-U-M-B, when you call somebody dumb. <laughs> that just means that the man couldn't speak. He was mute. He he couldn't speak because it says he was possessed with a devil or possessed with a demon. So this is Jesus fulfilling more prophecy because uh, once again, the book of Isaiah, he prophesies Jesus healing the blind man and a mute in Isaiah 35, 5 and 35, 6. And it says, according to your faith. According to your faith, let you be healed. So if the man had little faith, would he still have been healed? Pause. <laughs> it's not a trick question. Oh, well, I guess it kind of is. Or is it because the man was healed because he had great faith? Well, in Matthew, later on in Matthew, Matthew 17, it says, If you have faith as little as a mustard seed, you'll be able to move mountains. So I don't think it had to do with the amount of faith that the man had. I believe that it had to do with the man believing at all. And if you have the little faith in something, and then something like this happens, you're going to have great multitudes of faith just pouring out of you you had little faith with you know that you would be able to be healed then uh, and as soon as you are healed you're going to go proclaim it to everybody and that's that's what they did it says that he made they brought fame in all the country so then Jesus cast out a demon of this man who was mute and couldn't speak. So the man was, uh, he was possessed. And the demon was withholding his ability to speak. Interesting here, Jesus cast out the demon. And the Pharisees, at this point, I mean, we've talked about the Pharisees so many times. <laughs> I told you in the beginning, I said, they're always around. They're always there. Anytime there's people around, Pharisees are always there lurking in the shadows. So the Pharisees see this, and they say, oh, he, he's able to cast out the demons because he is, he is powered by a demon as well because he is possessed by a demon. You know, they're not believing this. They're not believing this is the Messiah. This is the the Son of God. They're saying he's using the power of the prince of demons or the ruler of demons to cast out demons. Just no matter all of the miraculous things that Jesus ever did, 
all the miraculous things he does to this day, there will always be people like the Pharisees that call him a fake, call him a false teacher, whatever. The proof is there. Jesus has been trying to be disproved since he arrived on the scene, and no one has been able to do it. They say that they, you know, oh, the the Bible says this, or the Bible says this. It contradicts itself. That means it can't be trusted. Um, the Bible never contradicts itself. If you take anything out of context, you can make it contradict itself. The Bible always provides context for itself. It is perfect. It is whole. There is no way that Jesus will ever be disproven. You want to know why? It's because he was real. This actually happened. If this was falsified information, it would have been disproved a long time ago. The whole biblical narrative is just so perfect. and It makes so much sense. And it is complete and it is whole. It will never be disproven. In fact, it just gets proven more and more and more as time goes on. It was enough of my soapbox. Uh, verse 35. So 35 through 38, laborers for the harvest. This is closing up the chapter. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenty, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. This is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. There are many lives out there to be saved there is much opportunity but there is very little manpower so he's saying pray that the Lord the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers that is us <laughs> we are the workers the harvest is the world. The harvest is people. The harvest is souls. We remember back to the beginning of the chapter. Jesus first looked at the spiritual when he healed the, the paralyzed man, right? Jesus first addressed the sins of the man. Then the physical. How is our relationship with those around us? I tell my wife all the time that the, the friends I have in the men's group, I know better than friends. You know, this men's group I've been going to for like two years or three years. I know these guys more intimately and better than people I've known my whole life. Because we share our spiritual struggles. We share our marital <laughs> struggles. 
you know, we share the important topics and we talk about it. But how many of those are, how many of us are going to go up to our friend who say, who's not saved and say, hey man, how's your marriage doing? What have you been struggling with lately? You know? No, nobody talks about this. At least men don't. <laughs> men are like, dude, how about, you know, how about the the NFL playoffs? Like, <clears throat> what do you think about, you know, LeBron? Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's what we talk about. We talk about stuff. We talk about the distractions of the world, not the important matters of the world. Prayer requests. Prayer requests are ninety-five percent of the time for physical, physical things. We should start praying for um, openness among amongst the church to address the key issues at hand. There was a very powerful thing I saw on Twitter. <clears throat> this uh, woman named Teresa said that she was struggling with suicidal thoughts. Sent a message to Teresa. I said, "You know what, Teresa? Um, not every thought we have is is from ourselves. And I just pray that the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, comes upon you and eliminates all evil and evil thoughts that come to your come to your mind." And I said, "You, you know, what? we love you." That is somebody who's very vulnerable, putting herself on the line in a public place saying I need help we must not ignore that at the end of this episode I didn't ask her if it's okay but I do want just want to pray for Teresa whether she ever knows it or not and uh, I want to close out with with something that was really powerful and really affected me um and if i have this platform i need to use it (laughs) i need to use it for things like this so please join me in praying for her dear heavenly father we pray for our sister Teresa. we pray that any thoughts that she have are immediately eliminated lord that there's a hundred percent renewal any attack that the enemy has bestowed upon her be rendered useless in your power father for when we talk about the the harvest lord we're talking about an offensive strategy but lord we also need to know how to play defense against the things that have come against us and with Teresa, lord i pray that each day she is renewed with the holy ghost and each day the armor of god is placed upon her and that evil has no place in her life and there will be nothing that comes against her and these thoughts will stop immediately father i pray that teresa is exalted and she is lifted up in your kingdom and i pray that she can share her miraculous story and give you the glory father father thank you for your powerful working hand in each one of our lives in your heavenly name, I pray. Amen. All right, guys. <laughs> pretty powerful, pretty powerful episode today. Um, I was kind of in a no-nonsense mood today. I just wanted to get right into the word, but 
Um, I think that's okay sometimes. Um, you know, we have to take these things serious. Um, we can add our levity when, when it's appropriate, but at the same time, uh, there are many teachings here that uh, we we must not ignore. And uh, we have to put into practice what we have learned. So we don't just seek knowledge, we seek the Spirit. So anyways, um, please reach out to me on all the socials, Empty Tomb Radio, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. I think that's it. <laughs> and EmptyTombRadio at gmail.com. Uh, we will be... Uh, you know, continuing through the book of Matthew, there's so much stuff I want to talk about, so much stuff that's been having in my personal life that's just been challenging uh, my family as well. Um, <clears throat> my kids in particular, and like how how are we supposed to protect them as, as Christians in this world? How are we supposed to protect these kids in an ever-changing world? You know, I still wanted to address... Um, a, a lot of issues. I want to identify some characters in the Bible. There's so much I want to do. I need to find the time. Uh, if you can, please just pray for me. Please pray for my family. Um, please pray that uh, my um, family is held whole and that I can have the power and obedience to to continue doing this and to, you know, just grow the kingdom wherever i can so and I'll, I'll keep praying for all you guys if you guys have any prayer requests let me know reach out to me um be happy to talk to anybody at any time so i thank y'all i love y'all i'll see you next time bye bye